0: We just don't understand how prayer works or the value of it. And yet, if we would do that, you'd be surprised what could happen. If everybody in this church prayed for everybody in this church, and we prayed that we could pack the doors with lost people coming in, do you believe it could happen if we prayed more? That we would have all the money we needed to do everything that we need to do in this ministry, and no question about it. Like this one preacher, he told the people, he says, I got some good news and bad news. You know, he says, you know that money we needed for that new building project? He says, we finally got all the money we need for it. He says, the bad news, it's still in your pocket. Well, God has supplied all of our needs. Sometimes we just don't ask him to do it and to give it. He says, you have not because you you ask not. It's not that he couldn't have done it and wouldn't have done it. But you didn't ask. God does not force His will upon us. We have choices that we can make. And you'd be surprised how many things we lose out on because we just didn't pray. Now look in verse 47. While he was yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came in, with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whosoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast, because it's going to be at night time. They may not be seen. They came, they had lighted torches and so forth. But he's going to say, Now the one that I kissed, that's the one. So he betrayed him with a kiss. And verse 49, and forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. Behold, one of them, which were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Anybody got a clue who that was? That was Peter. He cut off the guy's ear. Then said they unto him, Jesus said unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Uh, do you know what he did? He got picked up the ear and put it back on his head. Now, would you like to arrest the man that could take an ear that's been cut off and put it back? You know, that he got power that I don't have. I'd be very slow and careful of doing something to a guy that got power that I don't have. Anyway, in verse 53, he says, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father? And he shall presently give me more than. Twelve leagues of angels. This is where that song comes from. He could have called 10,000 angels. Well, this is where that verse comes from. Verse 54, but how then shall the Scripture be fulfilled? That thus it must be. But if I was to ask God to intervene to keep me from being taken, then how is the Scripture going to be fulfilled? This has to take place and God would not intervene. God had to let the people do what Scripture says this is what they're going to do. So sometimes, see, God doesn't stop the people from doing, and He could have altered it. He could have changed it. But it would have defied the Scriptures, and the Old Testament Scriptures must be fulfilled because the Bible says when Jesus came, He would fulfill all prophecy. And He does. See there in verse 55? In the same hour, said Jesus to the all to Are you come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you laid no hand on me. But all this was done, that the scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. They all did. Not just Peter denied him. They all forsook him. They all fled. And he says there in verse 57, And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest. So you know now, This is going to take place early that evening when they got a hold of him, but it was early in the morning. Jesus is brought before Caiaphas, and Caiaphas is the high priest of the Sanhedrin. And he's condemned and he's mocked. They made fun of him. And then you find out that the Sanhedrin, well, they they took Jesus and they took him to Pilate. Well, Pilate examined him and said, there's nothing wrong that I can see that's worthy of death. So Pilate, what did he do? Well, he sent him to Herod. And Herod and Pilate didn't like each other, but now they have a common denominator. They agreed with each other. They became friends for a night. And so Herod sent him back to the Pilate. And you know, all these things were happening. And so then Jesus is crowned with thorns and he's mocked. Then you have the suicide of Judas. And then... He was led forth to be crucified. But notice what he says up there in verse 58. But Peter followed him afar off from the high priest's palace, went in and sat with the servants, you see those last few words, to see the end. Coming to the end, see what's going to happen. And when he saw the coming to the end. Now remember, this is the fearless one. This is the old brave one. One that will not be offended. One that, I'll never forsake you. And I'll, well, he had the talking part done. And then, so what were they trying to do? Find some witnesses against Jesus. They had to have a reason to bring them to Pilate so that Pilate would condemn him. Well, now they've trying to find some witnesses. But they couldn't find anybody. Because nobody could come up with any real reasons. Finally, two guys came up and says, I heard him say. But what he said wasn't a lie. It was the truth. Jesus had made the statement in John chapter 2, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it again in three days. And he also claimed to be the Son of God. So you notice down here in verse 61, and they said, these two false witnesses, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to bring it in three days. Well, he was talking about his body. They thought he was talking about the temple there. They said it took 46 years in building this temple. Well, Jesus was talking about his body, but what Jesus said was the truth. So what they were testifying to was the truth, but they were talking about the temple that was standing, and Jesus was talking about his body that was the temple. Anyway, in verse 62, and the high priest arose and said unto him, "Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses against thee? But notice in verse 62, but Jesus held his peace. Now, these, Jesus holding his peace and didn't say, Remember, as it says in the book of uh, Isaiah 53, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. That means in his defense. He didn't try to defend himself. When they would say something, he said, You said it. Thou sayest it. But he never came out with something in defense of himself. So he says here in verse 63. Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Tell us, are you the Christ? Point blank, Mince no words. Boom, right between the eyes. Good question. Art thou the Christ, the Son of God? And Jesus said unto him, that thou hast said, nevertheless I say unto you. In other words, you, what you said, you, you just said it. That's what you said. He didn't deny it. Then he says also, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then he says in verse 65, The high priest rent his clothes, saying he hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. Jesus Christ claimed to be the Son of God. Point blank. And they said, that's blasphemy. So they have reasons now because under the law, he was to be killed. You could kill him for that. So, 66. What well, think he? They answered and says he is guilty of death. Then they spit in his face, buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands. Now, isn't that something? Here's the God who created the heavens and the earth. And his creation is treating the creator like this. This is the God of that made the heavens and the earth and all the people. And look how people were treating the Son of God. We often say that you no know, Christ died for our sins. But now remember, Christ died because of our sin to Him. Think of all the kinds of sins that the people that were there at the time what they did to Christ. Did they lie about him? Yeah, was that a sin? Did they smite him? Yes. that's a sin. All the things they did, false accusations, that's sin. If they literally took his life to an innocent man, that was wrong, that's a sin. He died because of the sins that were done to him but he also died for all of our sins. There's more than just meets the eye. But notice what he says here. He is guilty of death, and they beat him. In verse 68, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Because it talks about they put something over his face, and then they would beat him in the face. And lo and behold, prophesy. Guess who? And then beat him. People beating the very creator of heaven and the earth. It's a shameful thing what happened to him. Now Peter, as we know, was um, the almighty one that was going to defend him and not forsake him and not deny him. And Well, he didn't do too good. He had come along to see the end. And evidently he didn't like the end. He didn't like what it was leading up to. So the Bible says here, as you go down from verse 69 down to verse 75, it's it's that whole narrative about Peter denying the Lord three times. He was told this is what you're going to do. And remember, he said, this same night, you're going to deny me three times. That's how fast things can happen in your life. You can be so confident that you're, man, I'll never do that. P R I D E, the middle letter in pride is I. There's your problem. Pride cometh before a, what is it? Before a fall. Did he fall? Oh, he fell miserably. And the Lord told him, says, Peter, Satan, get behind thee. Because he, he knew that Satan was using him. But anyway, what I wanted you to see there, look in verse 74. Then began he to curse and to swear. I know not the man. I know not the man. Is he um, denying the Lord? Ah, that's what it looks like to me. The Bible says that's what he did. I don't know the man. And he cursed. Not just said it. He cursed. Blaspheme. And then he says in verse 75. Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice." And he went out, and he wept bitterly. So that's the little story of Peter. And we now have the betrayal by Judas. Now they have gone to take him to Pontius Pilate. So you see there in chapter 27, verse 1, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor. So they're going to deliver him to the governor. And um, he's got to find something that's uh, justifiable to have him killed. To crucify him. Now, Verse 3 down to verse 10. We've covered that at a different time, so we'll just bypass that for right now. Now look down in verse 11. And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor, which is Pilate, asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? Matthew chapter 26, 27, and verse 11. Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou saith. In other words, you said it. (laughs) Yeah, boy. He did not deny certain accusations. He did not raise up any defense against himself. Led as a sheep to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. He allowed people to say to him anything he wanted to. He allowed people to do anything to him they wanted to do. So what they did is what they wanted to do. And the thing is, what makes it so bad is, It shows how wicked people are, because look who they did it against, a perfect person who had never wronged anybody. He deserved nothing, and look what happened to him. So he says here in verse 12, and when he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, he answered what? Nothing. Now, When he says, Thou sayeth, this is when Pilate made the statement, I find no fault in this man. So he found out that he was from Galilee. So he said, okay, I'll send him to another jurisdiction, which was with Herod. So he sent him to Herod, and Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at this time. So he took him to Herod. Herod then interrogates him and couldn't get anywhere with him. He said, I find no fault in this man. Because the Jewish people, they wanted him dead, but they couldn't do it. Because they were under the Roman law, and so they had to get the Romans to kill him. Well, Pilate didn't see anything wrong with him. So they said, okay, we'll take him to Herod. And Herod, well, he says, "I, I find no fault in this man. I don't see any reason why we have to kill him. So to get him off of his hands, he sent him back to Pilate. So he goes back to Pilate. But that takes place right after verse 11 That little uh, excursion. But you don't read it here, but it is in the other scriptures. Like in the book of Luke chapter 23, and uh, verse 7, and also in verse 11. And it talks about uh, Herod. That little excursion there. Now look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. When he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? Now this is the second time they've come back to Pilate here. Don't you hear what they're saying? Don't you have any defense? Speak up, man. Tell us. Are you guilty or not? And he answered them never a word. See in verse 14? He did not answer them a word. Insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. So now, what am I going to do with this man? Verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. You ever heard of Barabbas? Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you? Barabbas or Jesus Christ, which is called Christ. Jesus who is called Christ. Here you've got a man that is a notable thief, and you have the perfect man who's never done anything wrong, but he claimed to be God. He says, destroy this temple, and I'll raise it in three days. We've got to kill this guy. This man over here, he's only a thief. And you're going to set one free. Does that show you that the multitude is not always right? That people don't always make the right decisions? They're not always as wise as they think they are? You know, in the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 2, he says, if the princes of this world were so smart, Why did they crucify the Lord of glory? It shows you how foolish and blind and stupid people of the world are without Christ. But anyway, as we move right along here, notice what he says here in verse 18. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. They were envious and jealous of Jesus. Because most of the common people heard him gladly, and they would make statements. We never heard a man speak like this man. This man speaks with authority. Jesus was God. He was the only one. Think of all the history of mankind upon No one's ever claimed to do the thing that he did. And he didn't have to claim it. People wrote it about him, that he could walk on water. Have you tried that lately? Now, if the lake's frozen, I'd try it. But he walked on water. He raised the dead. They were eyewitnesses. He could make a dumb person speak and a blind man see and a deaf man to hear. He did all of that. He had over 5,000 one time and he fed them fish sandwiches and there was no, um, you know, what's those fish places they have? Little John Silver, something like that. They didn't have none of those places. He just multiplied it. And they were part of it. They ate it. They ate the food. They saw this. And a lot of them followed them just because of the free hamburgers or the free fish sandwiches. They followed the Lord because of that. But never saw a person like this. And remember, his ministry was only three and a half years long. To make an impact that you make upon this earth in three and a half years. And remember... He probably never traveled any more than 200 miles from where he was born. And while he was here, he never wrote a book. He never joined the military. He never raised a sword against anybody. He never killed anybody. All he did was bring them to life. And he was the great physician. He was the the best at everything. And to think, 2,000 years later, look how many churches there are that say that Jesus founded the church. He started the church. Three and a half years, he did all of this, and he only met with 12, and most of the time with just three people. That's a miracle. Nobody else has done anything close to like this. And gave us a book. And when you study the Old Testament, the New Testament, it's all about Christ. Christ was God in the flesh. He was not just a normal man. This was truly who he claimed to be. This was God. So you notice up there, he, he knew why. Verse 19, when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent it to him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, "Whether of the two will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto him, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all said unto him, they all said unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor says, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. What evil hath he done? What had he done? When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing but that rather a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands before the Maldives, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just man. See ye to it. Do whatever you want to do. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. And for 2,000 years, it has been. It has been. They have paid a great price in rejecting Jesus Christ as the Son of God. So anyway, the rest of this beautiful little lesson, we will continue next Sunday morning. We're leading up to the crucifixion. But look up here. I want to show you this. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. See, all of us do wrong. All of us have done bad, and we've got to pay for it. The payment is death and hell. God won't be satisfied by nothing else except taking your life. The wages of sin is death. You did it, you owe it. So that's why God wants us to go to heaven because he loves us, but he hates our sin. And we can't go to heaven with our sin. So how is God going to get me in and keep this out? You and I couldn't find a way because we are sinners and we can't separate ourselves from it. So what Christ did there's a way. Christ came into the world. The Lord God himself, perfect. No sin. We have sin, but not him. He's righteous. He's perfect. He did no wrong, so he didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he said he'd take our place. So he died in our place. He took all the sin of all the world, that debt that we had, that debt we had, he, took, he paid for it. He paid my sin debt. Came back from the dead. And he said that if I would believe that he did it for me, he would put the payment he made to my account. I go to heaven what he did. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. I'm a sinner. So are you. We're all sinners. Everybody in the whole world. When he paid for our sins, he did it for everybody in the world and offers it to everybody. Whosoever would believe, you would not perish, I mean go to hell, but have eternal life. So that's why I can't go to hell. Because he says, if I believe it, I shall not perish. It means I can't go to hell. Why can't I go to hell? Because he says I can't go to hell. Why? Because I believe it. Either you believe it or you don't believe it. I don't have any sins to pay for. He, he paid for my sins. That's why the most five powerful words in the whole Word of God is, Christ died for my sins. Why am I going to heaven? Christ died for my sins. That's why I'm going to heaven. It's not because I have been good, very good. <laughs> I have been very good. Yeah, see, that ain't got five words. Now, nothing comes up close to those five words. Christ died for my son. That's why I'm going to heaven. And that's the only reason anybody goes to heaven. You're not going to heaven because you go to church. You don't go to heaven because you've been good, because you haven't been. I hate to break your heart. You have not been good enough. No one has ever lived good enough to go to heaven by their good deeds. It's the gift of God. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning and have never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him? Would you believe that when He died, He died for you? Don't you want to go to heaven? You know, if you don't trust the Lord, you'll spend eternity separated from God in hell. And if you're watching by Internet, right there on the screen, it says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. If you've never done so, Would you do it right now? Would you just click it and say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. We don't know who you are. It just lets us know that you watched, you listened, and you said you would trust Christ as your Savior. But if you're in the auditorium, and if you've never trusted the Lord, would you right now in the quietness of this moment, just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe that when Christ died, He died for me. And right now, I will trust Him as my Savior as my only hope of going to heaven, would you do that? Would you trust Him? And if you will, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that what I said made sense to you. And I'd like to pray for you. And I'd like to know. So is there anyone at all before we close? Just slip your hand up very quickly and put it, yes, I trust Christ as my Savior today. And put it right back down just as quick as you can. Yes, God bless you, buddy. Anyone else? Just slip it up real quick and put it right back down. Are there others? hard to see everybody all at one time, especially when I don't have my glasses on and don't see too good out there. Anyone else before we close? Our Father, we do thank you so much for your goodness to us and for giving us these things written in your word. We also pray especially, Lord, for the one that indicated they would trust your Savior because when they do, that you promise them eternal life as a gift that you never cast them out and never lose them. We ask your blessings upon each one here as they Think about the things that we've discussed. You're coming back soon. We're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And there comes the time when nobody can do any more. Our opportunity is here. And this life will all be over. But Father, we know that we'll be with you for all eternity. So bless each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.